Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Today's guest is Reginald McKnight Jr., 16 years career experience with the Miami-Dade Fire Rescue, currently a lieutenant and the senior lead instructor for the past five years of the training division. Reginald believes wholeheartedly that instructors are responsible for shaping, training, and molding the new generation of firefighters coming in and that they need to have these four pillars in order to do the job correctly and efficiently. Passion, be physically fit, humility, and forever remain a student of the craft. With that being said, I present Mr. Reginald McKnight, Jr. Good afternoon. My name is uh, Lieutenant Reginald McKnight, Jr. I've been with uh, Miami-Dade Fire Rescue for the past 16 years. This is my first known department. Um, I've been a lieutenant for five years, and uh, I've been a training instructor for the past five years as well. Okay. Uh, before you became a training instructor, uh, where where were you riding at? Um, so my first seven years, I spent uh, on Rescue 20. At the time, it was one of the busy rescues uh, on the department. I uh, did that for seven years. Then I moved over. I drove the engine for uh, six months. And then I had a what we call a CR route. So I basically was the relief person between uh, engine 20 and ladder 22. I did that for a year, um, drive a tailboard route. So I would drive half the time and then I was tailboard the other half. And I went from there to a uh, a TRT route where I worked on three TRT trucks, as again, as a driver tailboard. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I had plenty of time to – did my rescue time, and then I rolled backwards, and I had an opportunity to drive as well. And in year 10, that's when I, I got promoted. Okay. Um, so you waited 10 years before you got promoted. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what, and I always like to ask this to uh, different individuals I interview, what sparked that, that transition of, Hey, you know what? It's, I'm ready. It's time to promote. Well, to be, to be honest, I won't say I necessarily waited 10 years and, um, you know, uh, I'm a man of faith. So I'll, I'll, I'll be touching on that, uh, here and there. And, um, at year five, I wanted to get promoted. My rescue was so busy. Uh, the mindset was, man, I don't think the years is what makes you the, the was, what gives you the experience. It's the call volume. So I was averaging 18 calls a shift. Mm-hmm. Um, and our rescues are like kind of like truck companies, you know. So um, at year five, I took the test. Uh, but I, and I took it for five years. Uh, but I never scored high enough to get promoted. And what ended up, at, I, and I tell people this this story all the time, and that is um, it wasn't God's time for me to be promoted. And when yeah. I got promoted in year 10, it was perfect timing. Although the, the years prior to that, I wanted to get promoted. You know, there was one year where it was an anomaly. Um, I scored a, a, a 88 on the test, and I was number 54 on the list. And only the top 37 guys got a 93 or higher. And a friend of mine, he was number 37. He didn't even get promoted. That was unheard of at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I benefited from because had I got promoted when I wanted to, which was year five, I would have missed the time driving and actual suppression. Um, I would have missed the time to be in a, a driver tailboard on a suppression and a, a ladder truck, and then I would have never um, became department. Uh, I would have never got my technical rescue certification for the department. So I would have missed a wealth of experience there. Um, so again, it, it was God's perfect timing that I got I got promoted on year 10. Um, and even on year 10, I was 37 on the list. I got a 90, and uh, they ended up promoting 55 guys that year. Okay. Okay. So what is the um, promotional process like in Miami? Uh, Man, it's highly competitive. Um, You're going to have at least 100 for the lieutenant's rank. You're going to have at least 150 people sign up for the test. And depending on 
how many people are retiring that year, mm-hmm. um, it determines how many people they're going to promote. Um, and then every once in a while, it'll get where like the year I got promoted, I promoted 55 people. They put some new services uh, in and um, that's what had the, the number so high. And then it was a high number of promotions. So okay. it worked out in a lot of people's uh, favor. But most guys are taken anywhere from eight months to a year to study to get promoted. Right. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like guys will, will, um, some guys take, you know, three months off where they don't work or six months away from their family where they're studying 10 to 12 hours a day. Wow. It's, yeah, it's, it's super, it's super competitive. And then one year I took the test, I died number three. So I think I was 42 and they promoted 39. Man. Yeah. So, and then when that happens, you don't, you don't know, you think you're like, oh man, they may, you know, pull a rabbit out of a hat. I might get promoted. And then you find out and then you got to, when you're on the bubble, I tell guys all the time, that's the worst place to be. Mm -hmm. I would rather be at the bottom and say, oh, well, I know I got to study again, but on the bubble, you're like, oh man, do I study? Do I, you know? So um, I thought I was going to get made and I kind of like waited to the last minute and it ruined me for the next year because I wasn't prepared. Again, guys are studying six months out. I only had a month and a half to study. So I didn't do well that year. It was the following year, my fifth year, that I ended up getting promoted. Okay. So going for a lieutenant's position, I'm assuming there's a written test. Yes, sir. And it probably has to do, encompasses with like um, certain SOGs, SOPs Miami does. Yes. Are they like firefighter one and two type questions, officer questions? Yes. They're um, for the lieutenants, it's just uh, fire officer uh, one questions. Okay. Um, and we get anywhere from you know six to eight books, and we'll get uh, approximately probably sixty policies and procedures, and we'll get um, our medical operations manual and our contract. Um, so at least the policies and procedures alone is uh, eleven hundred pages worth of studying, um, and then the books, you know, it could be anywhere from 200 to 400 pages, but out of those books, they may pull four questions out of a 400 page book, but you got to study the entire book. That's what I was going to ask you. Like, is, yeah. I mean, I know like certain departments will tell you, like, does your department tell you this certain chapter or pretty much it's the whole book and whatever some we books, pick. They will say, Hey man, just this chapter for a hey, focus on this. And then some books, Hey, read the entire book. Like the fire officer principles and principles and practice. It's always the entire book. From cover you, to cover, read. And and you have six books. Yeah, six to eight. Depending six to eight on books. yeah, it could be six to eight. Sometimes they switch it up, sometimes a little less. Like there's always a book on leadership in there. So Step Up to Lead was the one that we're the department's really high on right now. So that's one of the books you gotta read. But yeah, it could be anywhere from six to eight. Okay. And after let's you take the written, you score high. What's the next process? So that's it, man. There's no oh. practical. There's no interview because we're so large. I want to say the fairest process for us is to say, all right, who scored the highest? Um, okay. And that's it. And uh, you do get seniority points. Okay. Um, so at me, when I finally got promoted in year 10, I had the max points I can get, which is six. But the seniority points only get applied if you pass the test. There's a minimum, based on the curve, there's a minimum amount of questions that you have to get right. Okay. Okay. It's, I always like hearing how different departments do it. Um, so Miami kind of fits the, or Miami Dade kind of fits what, with what I'm known as, as, um, it's scored by rank. Like the the highest score is pretty much the one up top where certain departments will go through a list and then the chief or designee goes through each individual and, you know, they look at the individual individual's character to yeah. see like how that goes. So it's just, it's always fascinating to yeah. hear. Yeah. Our, our, um, our union won't even allow anything like that. Gotcha. You know, that would, that would, that would allow uh bias to, uh, right. to come to play. So we don't, it's the, again, to not allow subjectiveness to take place. Um, it's just, Hey, what was your score? And you can't, right. there's no, you can't, you can't argue it, you know? Right. Right. Um, it, after you take the test, it takes, um, a month for the scores to come out. Like you don't even know. Like you're sitting waiting. You know, mm-hmm. you don't know if you did well. You, you mm-hmm. don't know. You know. So okay. And um, and th- 
And this is just for lieutenant. Yeah, every rank is the same. We every do it rank, the same. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. That's what I want to know. Um, so how did you get involved in training? So when I was a recruit, um, it's one of those things that uh man, I've been so blessed. Everything that I said that I wanted to do in my career, um, I've been accomplishing those things. Um and I like to say because I'm a you know, I'm a I'm a dedicated uh, person. Uh, when I set my mind to something, you know, I get it accomplished. So I always wanted to be TRT when I was a recruit, and I and those guys came out to teach us. I was like, "Yep, I want to do that." And I remember going through TRT classes. Prior to that, when I was going through medical school, I went with some of my buddies that I met in the class. So you know, we to help kind of motivate each other. But when it was time to do TRT, those guys were like, hey, look, you're on your own. I'm not doing that stuff. Tight spaces, yeah. heights. Yeah. So I was taking classes. I was out there on my own, just you know, meeting guys from one of his apartments. Um, so when they did, uh, when, when they came out to teach us when I was a recruit, I was like, yep, that's what I want to do. And then uh, the instructor part as a recruit and as a student, um, I always thought there were some instructors that were really good and there were some that were, I won't use the term like bad, but they, they didn't understand the, the meaning behind being an instructor. Mm -hmm. Like it's a powerful position. Absolutely. Um, you can literally, uh, take the love away from somebody who's trying to gain the love. Um, for this profession, if they're kind of like, ah, man, I don't know what it is. Because even with me, I didn't know what the fire service was walking into it. I just said, hey, man, I don't want to be behind a desk. I didn't mm -hmm. know anybody in the fire service. Um, I didn't uh, I didn't have any friends. Um, so I just did the application, you know, uh, and went from there. You know, I think that's one of your questions. I will, you know, I'll get into it again. I think it was just um, God's purpose for my life to, right. to be here. So the instructor part, I was like, man, if I had the opportunity to do it, that's one of the things I want to do because where I felt like other instructors could have been better, that's where I will be better. Mm -hmm. And that's my motto to this day. Um, and just so happened, man, you know, now I realize that I didn't realize it, you know, four years ago when I was, uh, the guys came to me and said, "Hey, we want you to be one of our lead instructors." I didn't realize that I that I have a that I have a gift. Now I realize I have a gift, and I I, I try to you know hone hone my skills and pass it along to to other guys that I see that could potentially be great instructors. So that's how I kind of got into it, man, and um, have a natural love for it. Coming out of college, um, I just wanted to be a teacher. I had no ambitions to be a firefighter. And um, I, I was like, ah, if I don't make it to the NBA, I'll just be a teacher and I'll coach high school basketball. Well, okay. lo and behold, I am a teacher, um, just not in high school, but in the fire service. So, Right. Right. Okay. No, that's, that's awesome hearing, hearing how everybody just, their different routes, how they got to where the fire service became who they are. So, I mean, I, I just love hearing that. Um what would you say the culture is like within your department regarding pride training, which you're over training and calls? Um, so we're like everybody else, man. We uh, in training, at least in, in my group, um, man, there's uh, so much passion for the job. Um, if you work with us, you can't even work with us. If you don't have the passion, you'll stand out like a sore thumb and which I've had guys come in with ulterior motives. Um, that, you know, maybe wanted to get away from somewhere else or mm -hmm. want to do something new or maybe the schedule because it fits what they're doing in their personal life, but they don't last. Um, and they end up being the odd man out because the guys here, we get here, you know, two hours before start time. And sometimes we'll leave two hours after quitting time. Um, so in training, the passion is strong. We have a great culture here. In the department, you're going to find it. We're so large, you're going to find it at certain stations, on certain shifts, and certain battalions. Um, and But what we're trying to do in training is we're trying to catch it at the ground level where we send uh, you know, rookies out into the field, 
that they take the passion that they have seen from their instructors. Mm -hmm. And that's why, again, I tell the guys, if you don't love this, don't come here, you know, um, because we wanted to send the message. We're their first impression of what a firefighter is from Miami-Dade Fire Rescue, and we wanted to be the best. So that way, when they get out there, um, they carry that with them. When, that's not to say that they're going to run into people and say, oh, man, you know, uh, guys who really don't have a love or passion for the job, or they may have lost it or lost their way, we like to say. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll still encounter those guys, but what we're trying to do is we feel like if we attack it at the ground level, um, when a guy walks into a station um, that doesn't have passion for the job, he'll feel like the odd man out and he'll have one or two things he can do. He can uh, get in line and uh, try to uh, find that passion again, or he can quit. Um, but unfortunately, there are there are areas where guys on our department can go and they'll find like-minded people that really don't have a passion for the job. Right. Just here for, you know, the time off, the schedule, the money, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, you know, they could they could kind of be a cancer. But I always say, man, um, we're going to circumvent the circumventors. You know, I'm not going to complain about the things we can't control. Um, we'll just focus on the things that we can. And we we can affect the masses by starting at the ground level. And I think since I've been here in the past five years, we've been doing a good job. Do we get, you know, do we reach everybody 100%? No. Um, but I'm not worried about the ones we don't reach. I'm only worried about the ones that we do. Right. Okay. Um, without, I'm not trying to put you in a bad spot here with this question, but do you have, I'm assuming you have support above you stating, hey, Reginald, if this person, if you see that this individual coming in doesn't fit the Miami-Dade standards, that's it. Like, are, are you allowed to go, hey, thanks, but no thanks? Um, We have... Uh, rules in place mm-hmm. so um like our standard in training we have been raising the bar almost every class okay um so it is truly hard work i get to meet with the potential hires i want to say um, maybe a month and a half to a month prior to them getting hired and i give them a speech like hey man we didn't recruit you and we don't need you um and we don't want you unless you love this mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't care if you have family on the department um They've been on here, you know, however long they've been here, they've earned the right to be here. You haven't earned it. Um, you don't get a pass because you're related to a chief or a captain or nothing like that. You you have to come in here and do the work. If you came from another department and you're older um, and you're like, oh, man, I got to do this again. Sorry to hear that. You decided to come over here. You got to start from the ground level and work your way up. If you didn't want to do that, you shouldn't have came here. So we have rules in place. The standards are high. That doesn't mean that some people can, quote unquote, play the game and make it through. Right. Um, you can play the game, but it's going to be a long, hard one, you know, uh, because we we require a lot from our recruits. The start time is 07. They finish at 1600. But our recruits, because of the program and the way it's set up and the standard we set, they're coming in at 530 in the morning. You know, uh, because they have so much work they have to do prior to start time. Mm-hmm. And I always tell them, like, look, you don't have to come in early. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you don't, we will be here from 07 to 1600 every day, including graduation. When you want to go home with your family at high noon, when the graduation is over with, you're going to be hanging out here with me because I don't have anything to do. You know, uh, none of the places I like to go to don't open up until five or six o'clock anyway. So. Uh, but uh, we we have stuff in place, man. Um, and most people, most of the time, people fall in line. Or I've had quite a few people say, "Look, man, this is not this is not for me." Right. And those are the people that I truly respect because I tell absolutely them, you can. You know, I had a guy tell me one. He said, "Man, I can get through this if I want to, but I don't love it, and I see that you guys love it." And I wouldn't want to uh, mess that up. And I was like, look, man, I respect you a lot for that. You know, absolutely. A lot of people can't do that. A lot of people are looking at it, you know, man, it's a good job. The pay is good. Right. Like, hey, man, it can't. Anybody that makes a million dollars a year, they're trying to figure out how they're going to make two million. 
the next year and then three million the next year. So if you're doing it for the money, the money is never going to be enough. You're never going to be satisfied. Mm -hmm. You got to truly love this, man. You got to love working hard. You got to love being out there in the sun. You got to love helping people. You got to love the pressure. Like I tell people, man, it's like a, you know, game seven, uh, uh, Bulls versus Jazz. Uh, the final shot wins the game. Right. When you run these calls, if you don't love that, if you shy away from that, man, you better figure out how to love it because that's what we do, you know, and that's what we get paid for. We get paid for those times. Uh, when, the, when the game is on the line, when somebody's life is on the line, that's when we got to be great. And in order for us to be great, we have to actually love the process, meaning you have to love the train. You know, um, that's the only way you're going to be able to minimize um, you making mistakes in that pressure moment. No, that's that's fantastic to hear. Uh, I really love hearing how you, you stated every class, the bar gets raised where nowadays, you know, a lot of places, they're just looking for bodies to fill vacancies. And some of them have even lowered the standard. So, you know, yeah. that's 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 great, because to me, if you lower your standards, your high achievers are going to see that. And for some, they might just go, why bother? You know, yeah. And and that's one of the things that uh, we try to we try to avoid. Um, you know, we don't we don't want those guys to feel like ah man, you know, or or lose those guys, you know. Um, and we kind of focus on we we break recruit classes up into into thirds. You know, you have your high achievers um, that'll be a top third, and those guys are going to be go getters no matter where they go. You know. Mm -hmm. um, and it's always good to to recognize them and to show them that hey man, we we. We understand your mindset and we're right there with you. Um, and then you have the bottom third that, you know, realistically, you're probably not going to reach it. You know, it's going to take a life altering event for you to kind of get through to them. Right. Which is not going to happen in recruit training. But the middle third is who we're really concerned about because they can go either way. Mm -hmm. And if we lower the standard, they can be part of that bottom third. But if we raise the standard, you know, most of them like, all right, man, this is what I got to do to make it. And they'll they'll keep up, and that's what we um, that's what we try to do. But we we have the same issue as everybody else, right? You know, management is trying to fill positions, and I get it, and I understand it to a point, you mm -hmm. know. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, I use this analogy all the time. Um, if I went and tried out for the Dolphins, they would they would say, "Hey, man, look, man, you're a nice guy, but you're not good enough." Right. Uh, and everybody's not meant to be a firefighter just because you make it here and you pass all of the prerequisites and you got certified on your own. Um, when you come through this, you better love it. If not, you're going to stick out and hey, this might not be for you. man. You know, if you don't like being hot, if you don't like, you know, being in tight spaces, if you don't like heights, this is not for you. And you know what? That's okay. You know, um, because you could potentially get somebody hurt. You could potentially get yourself hurt or, or even worse. You know? So uh, it's, it's important that um, uh, we recognize uh, when somebody's not fit for the job and we tell them, you know, not in a disrespectful way. We always tell them, Hey, look, man, is this something that you really want to do? You know, cause eventually uh, it's going to show that, you really don't care and we don't want you to, to get hurt. We care about you first. Um, and if you do, if you do love it, then we'll show you the way. But if you don't, man, it's going to be, it's going to be hard for us. It's going to be hard for you. It's not going to, no, it's not going to be worth it. man. And the one thing we can't get back is, is time. So why waste time? Right. Right. Go out no. and seek something you love. I, I totally agree with you. And I like the analogy with the Miami Dolphins because I feel like, Every other, um, so I look at branches of military, special forces, uh, basketball teams, football team, any type of sports, there's a physical fitness standard. Yes. And if you don't meet it, you're done. Like, yes. uh, what's that show on HBO? The thing where they go, if they knock on the door and they go, hey, we need your playbook. Hard knocks. Oh, yes. Hard knocks. Yeah. You're, you're done. You're I just don't that. understand how especially when it comes to physical fitness, because like there, there are different areas where uh, uh, you might have a, a good firefighter who's like, uh, who'll be a 
uh, who will be an excellent engine company person instead of a ladder company pu- uh, person. But when it comes to physical fitness, we just we shy away from it, or most yeah. departments at least. You know, we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But this is a job that's going to be strenuous. Your heart's going to be beating fast. You're going to be profusely sweating. And I just don't understand how we just, you know, we let people slide that no, oof, like I wouldn't want this person coming to save me, you know? Yeah. 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 We, physical fitness is a main pillar. And again, um, we don't have a physical fitness requirement, believe it or not. The only physical fitness requirement for our department is the uh, national CPAC. That's it. Right. right. Um, so you, they do that prior to, to getting hired. And once they pass that, that's it. But in recruit training, we have a uh, a PT exam, and we do it three times. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're not successful, you'll receive demerits for it. Um, and initially, you'll receive demerits, and then you have to take the CPAT so we at least know you're at the minimum requirements. If you fail the CPAT, we give you additional demerits. And then if you continue to fail, you just end up failing out. Now, we can only do that in recruit training. Once they get on probation, again, we had a, a PT exam, but it was not sanctioned by the union mm-hmm. or the county. And our biggest uh, opponents to physical fitness, believe it or not, is the union because the union is made up of the members. So they're going right. to do what the members and most of our members don't want a physical well, fitness. Don't want to do it. Right. right. So on probation, um, what my mindset was and what we came up with, I was like, all right, when I have the recruits here for three months, they're in the best shape of their life. Mm-hmm. Right. Why? Because we make them do it. So I'm like, all right. But when they leave, um, I'm not sure if you're, you're familiar with the O2X, uh, uh, program, physical fitness program. They do it I, for firefighters. They do it in Boston. I'm not. No, it's a re- really outstanding program. Um, they talked about, their average weight gain for a rookie is 20 pounds. So I was like, man. So what we decided to do is we first implemented the PT exam, but the rookies knew that it didn't hold any weight. So they would, they would just, it it, it consists of a mile and a half run and some calisthenics. So we had people come in and walk the mile and a half run and there was nothing we could do. And I was like, that's a waste of time. Again, going back to, I don't like to waste my time. I would never waste your time. We could never get it back. So to circumvent the circumventors, I removed the physical fitness uh, uh, exam for the rookies, and we just come in and do PT. It's just hard PT. Okay. So after they finish the fire ground skills, after that's completed, we're going to do PT, whether it's swimming, whether we're going to run, whether we're going to do a CrossFit, a wad, whatever, we're going to work out. So- you take the three months in recruit training and you take the 12 months as a rookie. And that's 15 months that I've given you a, a routine and a schedule. And I'm hoping after the 15 months, it becomes a lifestyle. Right. And that's how we attacked it. Okay. Okay. Now, I mean, I mean, you totally hit the, hit the, the nail on the head because a lot of your recruit, candidates are in the best shape of their life while in recruit yes. class. And then as soon as they get released out onto the streets, some of them will continue that. But sadly to say a majority of them just tend to start swaying off and, yeah. and, and, you know, becoming unhealthy. Yeah. And we, um, the other thing that we did not only cause we bring them back um, twice, a qu- twice a quarter okay. uh, during that probationary year. The other thing that we did was, they have a probationary manual. So in that probationary manual, they have six workouts that they got to get signed off. Well, we put them in the book for them to do at the station because we're hoping that the officer sees it and says, oh, man, you got to do a workout. All right, we'll do it with you. Right. So we're trying to reach the senior guys through the rookies. Mm-hmm. You know? And if we get two or three guys at the station and get out there and do a workout, man, great. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, we that's a win for us right right and 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 the, the thing is you know i'm not I'm, and I, i'm sure not just me you know speaking of this but we're not trying to say you need to go out there and be mr olympia but you got i mean something whether that's i mean you know we don't have runners out there i get it walk 
But try to get that heart rate up, sweat, get hot, get uncomfortable, because that's exactly the conditions you face when you're on yes. the fire ground. Yes. Um, uh, particularly in the in the probationary manual, we have three workouts where you're in T-shirts and shorts. And we have three workouts where you're in gear. And I always tell the guys, look, it's great to be in, you know, in, in tip-top shape when you're in T-shirts and shorts. But unfortunately... We don't do this job in t-shirts and shorts. Right. You got to do it in gear. So you got to put that gear on and you got to get uncomfortable and you got to get comfortable with that. Um, and if you don't do that, man, you're setting yourself up for failure because the minute you put that gear on and if you put it on and you're like, oh, man, this feels kind of weird. That means you're not wearing it enough. Mm hmm. Yep. And one thing for sure, the gear restricts your mobility. Yes. Certain things you could do in your t-shirt and shorts are like, oh. With, with the gear and the air pack on, weighing you down, yes. it's a different game changer. Definitely. Totally agree. Okay. Um, what keeps you personally invested to stay positive and continue loving the job? Uh, man, I, 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 I feel like um, I'm living in my purpose. Um, each day I come to work, I, I, I literally don't feel like it's work. Guys have been asking me, hey, man, when you going back to ops, when you going back to ops, and I love ops. But I feel like um, I'm where God wants me to be at this very moment. And that is, um, you know, touching the lives of the new hires, ensuring that uh, they see um, what it's supposed to be like. Um, so there's times where I do, you know, especially being in training, there are certain things that I want to be able to do the job um, where I kind of get kind of down and disappointed. Um, but I don't let that fester. Uh, you know, I'll dwell on it a little bit and then I'll move forward because there are so many good things that that um, we're doing. And um, every every once in a while, I'll see somebody that I taught. They'll they'll be a, you know, be, have been on probably like two or three years and they'll walk up to me and be like, hey, man, thank you, man. I remember this. I appreciate you. And uh, that just keeps me motivated. Um, teaching and, and uh, traveling with uh, with Dorville. That's another uh, another motivating factor as well. Mm -hmm. um, and I tell the recruits, just like uh, my, my body needs needs food and, and, and water to survive, and and I and I feed it those things. Um, I do the same thing with my mind and my passion. I I feed it, you know. So I'm always looking for good podcasts to listen to. I'm always looking for motivational uh, videos or quotes or books um, to read. Um, so I try to ensure that I, um, I don't dwell on the negative, the negativity of, of the job because we have a lot of it. Absolutely. I just focus on the, on the good man. Um, and, uh, and go from there and eventually hoping that, you know, that, that ripple effect, believing that what we're doing is not in vain, you know, the passion and the love is not in vain. Um, and again, I'm getting anywhere from 30 to 60 recruits in the class. Mm -hmm. you know, if I could spread that, you know, that, that passion and that love, you know, to 20 is getting out there. Every exactly. class, if I could, if I could hit half, every class is getting out there. Right. You know? And that's what keeps me, uh, you know, keeps me going. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree with your sentiments because even if, even if your impact just touches one recruit, yep. that's one more than zero. Yep. So, and I I want to give a uh, shout out to you because your your position within the department you are pretty much molding the next generation of firefighters. Yes. Because I you know if anyone listening on here I I don't know if you know this but the fire service will continue to move forward when you're gone. Absolutely. Those trucks were here before you. They're still going to be here after you. So with what you do to mold these recruits, to mold the next generation of firefighters. Thank you. Because we have a lot of instructors out there that are in it for themselves yeah. in it to make a name. And that's not what it's about. It's about helping and teaching this newer generation of firefighters coming in. Yeah. I mean, I, um, uh, again, this is something that I teaching is, is, is kind of in me, you know, after I leave here and I get an opportunity to always practice it, uh, because as soon as I leave the job, I go and I coach high school football. So that's a form of teaching too. So um, I kind of use both of them uh, together synonymously 
to be able to uh, to reach people. You know, there are certain players that I coach that I got to communicate with them in a certain format in order to get the the best out of them. And, and in the fire service, it's the same way when the I have same, right. So, you know, I do use different styles to reach different individuals, mm-hmm. you know. And um, again, man, I, I don't take the position I have for granted. I tell each recruit class, man, I'm honored to stand before you to be able to relay the message that was re- that was given to me. And even the message that I didn't receive, um, man, I appreciate it. I don't take it for granted. I don't abuse the, uh, the position or the power. Mm-hmm. Um, again, man, I love it. I never came in thinking that I would be a lead instructor. I just wanted to teach. And these guys came to me and said, hey, man, you should, you should, we want you to be, you know, our next lead instructor. And I was like, okay. And I just ran it like, like, like you would a football team. And it ended up being uh, successful. And then I had a captain at the time. Man, he was so hands off. Um, but that was a, a uh, one of his uh, one of one of his great traits, and he always used to tell me, "Look, Reg, hey man, try whatever it is that you want to try. If it don't work, we just don't do it again." And man, he gave me the leeway, and we just flourished um, because I was able to act and not worry about making a mistake, which is huge mm-hmm. for anybody when they could just focus on the task at hand. And if they make a mistake, you know, somebody's not criticizing them. He would just say, man, we just won't do it again. Right. And um, the program really took off um, with that, with that mindset. I mean, now there's endless, endless possibilities. And, you know, I got an idea that a lot of people don't think it could work, but I, I think it could work. I think both sides, management and training, will benefit from it. Um, and I'm, I'm going to push it up the chain now. And, I, and I've been calling around the country and I haven't found anybody that's, uh, that's doing it. So I want to, I want to see if we can go ahead, even a pilot program. I think we could do it. My fire chief is big on innovation and I think this will be, this will be great for us. Um, uh, no different than when we had uh, and right in the middle of COVID, we were able to push 60 recruits through, um, mm-hmm. With a hybrid program, mm-hmm. um, half half of the the uh, the program was taught online, and then the other half was in person. But we rotated three classes on a on a shift based schedule uh, throughout the week, um, and a, and a lot of people was like, "Man, how did you guys pull that off, man?" And it was, it just came to me like one day it was like, "Ah, oh, man, I got to figure out how to do this to minimize, you know." Uh, the interactions and all, yep. yeah. Because yep. if one person got sick, I didn't know when COVID first started, you wipe out a hundred people, you know. Right, right. Um, so we were able to do it um, with nobody getting COVID, and uh, we were able to help ops out because we did it in a reduced amount of time because ops was losing people mm-hmm. like daily. You mm-hmm. know, we were getting to the point where they were canceling leave time. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, that's big. Um, so I, I always do some research on, on, on my guests and I, I love, I watched a video where you talked about the four pillars for rookies in, in firefighter operations. Yes. You mentioned passion, physical fitness, humility, and remaining forever a student of the craft. Yes. Um, yeah, man. Uh, um, firefighter Vidal, he was one of my, uh, one of my recruits and, um, uh, those things are, man, I don't, I don't know how. You're successful as a firefighter without, right? The, you know, mm-hmm. at minimum, you know, those four things. Physical fitness is key, and I always, you know, I joke with the recruits. I was, I, I say, uh, your, your, your body is a, is a, whatever your, you know, these top notch cars is, whether it's a Ferrari. And I always use a Mercedes, and I say, do you put eighty seven in a Mercedes? <laughs> no, you put ninety three, right? You know, so the number one tool to your success is your body. Um, you know, of course, I'm a big football fan. And uh, Bill Parcells has a quote, your best ability is availability. So I don't care how great you are, how great you could throw a ladder, how great you could pull a line. If you're not available because you're injured or you're sick, you know, or you're hurt because you're not taking care of your body because you're not eating right, you're not hydrating right, you're not, 
you know, the proper nutrition, you're not working out enough, um, then you're no good to us if you're not available. So physical fitness, hey, man, it's, it's, there's no way around it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a blue collar job, you know, passion, man. I, at a young age, I always knew that I, w- I wasn't going to work in an area that I didn't love prior to coming into the fire service. I worked again in a teaching capacity as a camp counselor at the boys and girls club for 10 years from 16 years old to 26 years old. And I had an opportunity to make more money. But I didn't take it because I truly loved what I was doing. I was working with kids um, on a day-to-day basis. I was affecting them. Even though it's funny, kids that I worked with when I was 16 years old, they're firefighters now. And part of that, them becoming firefighters, was them seeing me as a firefighter. So I know I had some type of an effect on their lives. Mm-hmm. So again, it is hard to be in this job. The work you got to put in and to not have the passion, I just don't. I, you know, I don't see it. Humility, man, um, goes a long way. Uh, and it, it's definitely hard um, a lot of times um, to have. I don't care who you are. You know, yeah. and people say, I mean, I don't have an ego. We all have an ego. Um, but you got to recognize sometimes uh, there's a quote that says uh, ego cares about uh, 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 who's right. And uh, humility cares about what's right. Um, and a lot of times we get into in the fire service and a lot of guys are like, no, 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 man, no, this is the right way. I know this is how I do it. And, and sometimes it's not. So you got to you got to be humble. You have to be um, willing to accept criticism from and people mm-hmm. that are ranked higher than you. And even the ones below you, I had an officer tell me one time and I thought it was uh, one of the most humblest things he could say. He said, look, man, I'm not really that skilled. So I know you guys are doing a great job in recruit training. So when I get a rookie, I let them teach me. A lot of officers won't do well, that. Not the, exactly. They, they, and, and a lot of guys on our department, their last training was when they were in recruit training. Mm-hmm. They don't go out and pay pay money to, to train. They don't even train when they are getting paid to train, right? Let, you know, nevertheless, pay somebody to go and you know beat them down. So um, when he said that, I was like, "Hey, man, you know, that's somebody who, who who's humble and, and who understands." You know, so you uh, you, you got to have that, and then the willingness to always learn. Um, so I was telling somebody I, I studied for the captain's test uh, two years ago, and then I was unsuccessful. Um, but being a recruit training those five years, you know, I, you know, I was starting to, to learn more and more. I, you know, and, and this could sound like a, a nerd thing. When I was studying, I was true. You know, and a lot of times when you study because you're putting in so much time, you're studying because you want the results. Mm-hmm. You want to score high enough so you could get promoted. When I was reading the information, I was so overjoyed from the wealth of knowledge that I was taking in. And I don't think I've ever felt that way. Even like when I was in high school and stuff like that, I was like, all right, man, you read or you you study because you want the results. Hey, I'm trying to pass this test. But, and you you memorize things and you don't take them in. When I was studying for the captain's test, I was reading stuff and I was just like, wow. And then I had an opportunity to, to go to um, FDIC and uh, and I was just sitting in those classes and I'm just like, wow, man. Uh, there's so much knowledge out there that um, uh, it's 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 it could be overwhelming at times. But man, it the last ten years, I'd say, of firefighting, I felt like it's evolved in the last ten years more than it did in the previous fifty years. You know, because um, we have people open to 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 science now. Where in the past it was. Hey man, you got on whatever the senior guy said. You did that. You didn't question. Yep. You know now you got these young guys and this new generation. They question everything. They want to know, and that's cool. You know, Um, and so I'm like, man, for me, even when other instructors are teaching under me, I always sit in their lectures when I have the opportunity because I'm trying to learn something. Maybe there's something I missed. Maybe there's something I overlooked, and I don't 
feel like I'm, you know, the best out of everything. So I'm going to definitely go in there and try to um, take in uh, some knowledge. And it never gets old, you know. And I, I encourage my chiefs. I'm like, look, I don't believe as an instructor that I'm getting better because I've taught SCBA for 10 classes. I don't believe that. I believe that I'm getting complacent the longer I continue to teach SCBA and you don't allow me to go out and seek extra training or additional training. So my biggest uh, pet peeve as an instructor is you got to give myself and my cadre a break so we can go out and seek training. We're not getting better because we're teaching the same thing over and over again because we're teaching a policy. We got to go out there and learn too and bring that knowledge back to our department. That's how we get better. That's how the department gets better. Man, yes. <laughs> uh, preaching there because so many instructors and oh, I'll take it back. I don't know how many exactly, but there are instructors and departments out there that do not like or do not believe in sending their personnel to get outside training. And you got to get outside your wheelhouse, which I've yes. said before, to get better because you'll pick up on a new tactic or a new technique. You're like, man, I never thought about that. Yep. And, you know, you always hear if you if if, if like if, if somebody were to go take some class with FDNY. Well, we're not FDNY. We don't do it. That. Under, I understand that. But there's always a, something you could take away Absolutely. to go, hey, if we modify it this way, it could work for us. Yes. Yes, I um I'm big on that. When I first became a, a lead instructor, um, one of the things was I contacted the neighboring departments. Now there's always like competition between us, right? Um, and other departments. You know, I'm pretty sure like everywhere else. And so the other guys who had been here before me, the senior instructors who I respected, their thing was, ah oh, man, we don't need to go over there and learn anything from those guys, man. You know, and Listen, just because, you know, you're number one or you feel like you're number one doesn't mean that you can't learn from anybody else. So our department, at least our recruit training division, we got better because I immediately went up to Palm Beach County. And, man, I took a bunch of ideas that they were doing there in their recruit training. And I loved it. Even our, our I want to say, I mean, our rival, uh, you know, they they don't care too much for us, the city of Miami. Um as soon as I get an opportunity, I'm going to go over there and uh, and see what they're doing in training and see if I can take some ideas from them, even though I know it's against uh, everything they stand for to come and, uh, and and seek training from us. I'm going to be the better, per the better person because my job is to ensure that the recruit training division is always getting better. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a saying that um, – uh, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. There's no such thing as staying the same. Right. You know? um, so we're going to find ways to get better. And the way you get better is you got to go out and see what other people are doing, man. You can't, you know, I even want to, uh, again, uh, you know, I, I bother my chief, man. Give me some time to send me out to, you know, to L.A., to these other large departments. Let me see what they're doing. Phoenix, Chicago, wherever, you know. Just give me a break and I'll go on my own dime. I don't care, mm -hmm. you know, because I always like to see, what what these guys are doing and see what we could bring back and even to share information as well you know? right right and it yeah it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to be, have to deal with tactics on the fire it could be just just be like you said information um how they respond to a certain incident things things of that nature so yeah. um no awesome fantastic fantastic stuff um what are your ultimate goals if you haven't already met some of them um Man, ultimate goal. Um, I usually don't know. It is, uh, but ultimate goal is is to my ultimate goal is to to eventually be um, a fire chief. Uh, hopefully, you know, ideally it will be for Miami Miami Dade Fire Rescue. That's the ultimate goal. Um, but uh, I've been having this discussion lately where. Uh, and I've been giving advice to some of uh, some of my, my my close friends, and I tell them, you know, we always make plans for our life, and we implement those plans. Uh, and then when they're not working, 
we call on God and we ask him, hey, you know, what's going on, man? You know, I need you to help me. God says, man, you didn't include me in the initial plans. And then had you included me in the initial plans, I would have told you this is not my plan for your life. Um, so although this being a fire chief is something that I, you know, I ultimately want to do, mm-hmm. if I don't do that, uh, if I don't end up accomplishing that, I do believe that um, I will be exactly where God wants me to be. And I would rather be there doing what he wants me to do than uh, being a, a being a you know a fire chief and doing what I want to do because ultimately it's probably not going to be successful. Um, so uh, I love what I'm doing now. Um, I have the ability to um, affect change. Um, I have the ability to to be a servant um, to my recruits, to my my fellow instructors, um, to the citizens of Dade County, you know, my family. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm big on that. You know, the book of Matthew says um, the greatest amongst us will be a servant. Um, and I kind of took that as my life model um, to serve other people. And you know, Whatever I do, eventually uh, it'll, it'll, it'll come back to me. So um, fire chief is the, is the goal. Um yeah, you know, everything else, uh, hopefully, you know, there's some things that I want to do in training that I think can help change the fire service. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, that I believe that I'll eventually accomplish. Um, yeah, but the, the fire chief is, is, is the main one for me. Uh, not big on, I'm not big on politics. So I'm not sure how that, how that will work <laughs> because, uh, I am a, uh, a straight shooter. If something's wrong, I'm going to say it's wrong. Right. Um, uh, you know, and if it's, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't play games well, you know? So, uh, if, if that's not in the cards then it's not in the cards and I've come to, to realize that, you know, part of the reason I, I want to be fire chief is I feel like, all right, you know, a lot, a, a lot of the things that, are wrong in the department, I'll have the power to fix. Right. But then I realized, man, you don't have to be in a position of power to fix things that are wrong. And a lot of times we feel that those are synonymous. You have to be in a power position to fix. Man, you can be effective as a pro. Mm -hmm. And I realized that being in the position that I am in now, just when people come back to me, you know, I've I've been effective. I've been just as effective as a fire chief. And I say that humbly, and it's because I'm able to reach the masses, whereas sometimes a fire chief is so uh, out of touch because he has to play the role of a politician. Right. You know? So that's pretty much, uh, you know, uh, where I'm at with it. Okay. All right. No, no arguments there. Um, that's what I said. You know, it's it's your ultimate goal, whether it's short term or long term. So no, no, uh, no issues there. Uh, what would you say to those hungry, eager, motivated firefighters who feel like they are surrounded by a uh, non-motivated or complacent culture? Don't worry about what you can't control. Cont- continue to affect the ones um, that you can't affect. And like you said, even if it's one, uh, if you're on a if you're on a unit, um, set the standard high. Uh, You'll run away the ones that aren't willing uh, to raise the bar and you'll attract the ones that are. And when you do attract the ones that are willing to to uh, strive for those high standards, um, eventually you should groom them to leave you. And once they leave you, your standards that you set and the passion um, that you have for the job it has filtered to them and they will go out and do the same thing. And eventually uh, again, it's that ripple effect. It's like uh, in coaching, uh, you have Nick Saban, uh, University of Alabama. Well, mm-hmm. Nick Saban has coaches everywhere, all across the country. So whatever his culture is that he's established at Alabama, that Alabama culture is filtered throughout the country. 
if you worked for Nick Saban, guess what you took? You took the the culture and 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 the uh, the things that he's implemented for the University of Alabama. Why? Because he was highly successful. So why wouldn't you take it? You know. Um, and so Nick Saban is is a, is a little bit of everywhere. Um, and as a firefighter, you can do the same thing. Um, you know, don't focus on it. Everybody across the country is having those same problems, but truly believe that you can affect the masses. And because we live in a microwave society, we want it to happen tomorrow. But some of the things that we're going to do, we won't see the effects so long after we're gone. Right. And I'm okay with that. Right. It may, I'm, I may not see this for 10 or 15 years. Right. You know, there's a group that, or a generation that I didn't have an opportunity to, uh, to teach. So maybe they didn't get the things that the group that I have had an opportunity to teach has. So once that group passes by or passes through the group that I was able to touch, they're going to be in charge. And some of the things that I've said and the fellow, my fellow instructors have said, they're going to carry it with them. Um, and we have now affected the culture. Uh, so stay motivated and don't, don't, uh, don't, don't give up, you know, um, again, focus on what you can control. Absolutely. That's, that's, that's facts right there because we're so, I don't know if we're wired. We know firefighters are wired to be fixers. We can't fix everything. There's certain yep. things we'll never be able to fix, but we can control what happens within our four walls of the fire station. Yep. That's, that's for damn sure. So yep. awesome. Uh, last question for you. In your opinion, what do you think the American Fire Service can improve on? Oh, I would say the, the filtering process of uh, selecting better people that will become better firefighters. Example. Again, I always have all these. I got a, you know, I got a bunch of ideas. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a guy that's, you know, that's trying to get rich. I don't, I don't care. I share them. Because I'm in the football world. I mean, they, they're almost exactly the same. Okay. One of the things that football does is college recruiters come and they pick the guy from my team who they want. Mm -hmm. Hey, I need a linebacker. He needs to be 6'2". He needs to have these grades. He needs to be this fast. He needs to bench press this amount of weight. How about in the American Fire Service, we start doing the same thing? How about we start going to these high schools? Going to, we know, and uh, I'm going to be a little biased here, that athletes turn out to be better firefighters. Why? Because they... Uh, the physical fitness aspect of it. Also, the team aspect of it. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the video game culture, they, they don't work well in the team aspect um, from, from, from my experience and what I've, I've seen. Most of them don't. But you don't have to rule them out either. But I feel like if we go out there and we say, all right, look, I'm going to go to my neighboring high schools. Hey, I need a kid with this GPA, he needs to play uh, at least one sport. He needs to be on the team. Um, that'll that'll cover the the uh, athletic part. That'll cover the being able to work with others, which is an underrated skill. That'll be that'll uh, cover the being able to interact with different cultures. Mm -hmm. um, so GPA um, and, and and athletics, um, and then. You can add community service in there. Which kids fits those requirements? Let me look at them. Let me see. Oh, hey, you know what? I want to give these three kids from this school, hey, I'm putting you guys on scholarship. I'm sending you to EMT school. I'm sending you to paramedic school. And I'm sending you to fire college on the department's dime. Those are three individuals that I handpicked. It's not a perfect science. Just like offering scholarships to football players, you don't always and all always pan out. Right. But these are the three people that I want that I want to groom from 18 years old 
and that I will have for the next 25 to 30 years. I think if if some departments started doing that, we would start getting better firefighters instead of we're getting a lot of people that sign up for the job because their family member is on the job and their family members is telling them about how much money they make and the time off and all of the good things about a job, which is great, but those are things that you, you're going to earn over time, but they don't tell them how tough recruit training is. They don't tell them that... Um, how tough the probation is. They don't tell them that your first shift, you can lose your life. Right. Every shift you can use your life. And that's one of the, that's one of the things that we overlook because it doesn't happen. But firefighters are, they're dying every day around mm -hmm. the country. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't say, Oh, this guy was on 20 years. This guy, no, you could have anywhere. Somebody's on probation to a 20 year vet, you know? Um, so, I've been seeing at least here, at least here locally, that in the fire college, which we call minimum standards, um, they've lowered the standard. In our local college, they've even said that physical fitness is not a part of the college requirement. Um, so they do PT whenever they get a chance, or if that particular instructor cares about PT. If the instructor who's teaching for that day doesn't care about PT, then they don't do it. I remember when I came through, it was a staple. You did PT, and, and what PT did was, if you couldn't keep up, it was the separator. It mm -hmm. eliminated the ones that just didn't want to work. Mm -hmm. um, so we went out there and, and started handpicking, like uh, football does, basketball, baseball. They pick the guys who they want. They don't just let anybody sign up and walk in and just because – you know, they got a good record. You know, they're a nice height. They're a nice looking guy. They got some reference letters. Become a firefighter. No, they pick the ones um, that fit their molds. And they're doing it for entertainment. Our our job is people's lives is on the line. So we right. definitely should be picking. Right. Hand picking the guys who we want. Right. You know, why would we just let any Joe Schmo walk in and say, hey, man, I'm a firefighter. I, I want to be a firefighter and they're able to meet the requirements barely sometimes. And we let them put the uniform on. Now, we, we, we can do a better job. Although we can't stop those people from applying, we can go out and start getting the ones that we want. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the ideas that, um, you know, I want to pitch to, to, to management for us. And we did it kind of sort of in a way, but I don't think we've gotten extremely detailed like i want to get detailed I mean, you know an nfl draft if you don't run a 4-3-40 you ain't going in the first round you know i want a kid if that kid played three sports that and has a 3.0 gpa and has high community service hours that's the one that i want you know if he's interested mm -hmm. and become hey, that's the guy i want mm -hmm. and i can get him early i can start him at 18 and i will i will sponsor him i will pay for everything that he wants is it a perfect science? Absolutely not. Um, but, you know, you start doing it to start off with two or three. And then you know, who knows, 10 years from now, you'll be doing 10, 15. Right. You know, you start going to instead of one or two local high schools, you start going to, you know, 10 local high schools. Hey, I want one. I want this guy here. I want this guy here. So I think uh, uh, the fire service just got to do a better job of just not letting anybody put on the uniform absolutely they signed up right right no this is uh this this was great um so many gems being told in this uh preaching um uh, yeah this was this was really this is really good because i feel like this is what needs to be said and it needs to be heard because we're i feel like as a service not not the whole service but there are certain areas where we are lacking that we need some guidance, some help, a little information. So, um, yes, Reginald, this is, uh, I appreciate you even accepting the offer. Um, no. Raymond definitely didn't disappoint because he was like, I'm telling you, you need to have this guy. So I was like, all right. No, nah, man, listen, I mean, I, I thank you for the, for the opportunity, man. Um, uh, humbly, man, I, I, I appreciate it. Cause again, I'm just like you. Um, just like Raymond, we're trying to get the message out there and I'm, I'm, I'm not bigger than the message. Um, I love this job, man. I love what we do. I, I tell the recruits, this is my hustle. 
Like I coach high school football for free. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not coaching it, you know, trying to get a collegiate job. You know, I don't have a business on a side. I love the fire service. I love what I do. Um, you know, we teach on the side and I only teach on the side because it's part of what I actually do. And I love teaching. Right. You know, um, so, man, I, I appreciate um, this, man. You know, down here in Miami Day, we, we, we have a lot of guys that um, has so much wealth and knowledge and so much to offer. And um, for me to be the one to have the opportunity to talk, man, I'm, uh, I'm thankful. No, I, like I said, I, I thank you for, for, for allowing this. And uh, this definitely is was a great episode, a great conversation that we had. So I appreciate yes. you. No, man. Thank you, man. Sir. If any of the listeners out there are or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator, goal-oriented, hardworking, humble, passionate, and professional, regardless of rank, career, or volunteer, Contact me at student of the game fire podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay focused, stay committed, and stay safe.